Welcome to Dynasty Theory, your source for everything Dynasty fantasy football. With your host, John Bauer. I'm looking to sell everybody price-dependent. Dan LaMagna. Too much dysfunction in Cleveland. And Mitch Sorensen. Well, it's hard to compete with excellence. Welcome back to another episode of Dynasty Theory, a proud member of the Ross Tucker Football Podcast Network. I'm your host, John Bauer. You can find me on Twitter at The Bauer Club. We are joined by Dan Lamagna. That is at FF Coach Dan on Twitter. What's going on, Dan? Always good to be with the gang here, although you're taking me away from our 16-team startup that uh, our Patreon listeners wrote me into here, man. I says no Dynasty teams for a little while. Uh, so much for that, but it'll tie into a lot of our conversation tonight. So let's go. I think you turned it down once, maybe twice, and then you were roped in. Yeah, you weren't getting away from that one. <laughs> we're also joined by Mitch Sorensen. That's at DinoMC on Twitter. What's up, Mitch? What's up, guys? Like, I wish I was in that league, but I'm going to do lots of camping this summer, and I just don't know if I'm going to have service. So that actually might cut into my startup season. It's going to be sad days, man. Very sad days. Wait, are you in the league? Nope. Wait, I didn't even realize until now you weren't in it. Nope, I'm not in it. I just assumed you were. Oh, my God. That shows you how much attention I'm paying to these startups. It's funny because some of the members in the Patreon are like, oh, awesome. We're going to get three members of Dynasty Theory finally. And it still hasn't worked out. We we, we can't get the trifecta here. Yeah, unfortunately, Mitch wasn't joining. But Mitch Mitch got a shout out on Twitter today. Somebody was talking about Dynasty Theory. They couldn't. They were trying to remember the shows they had in their library, and they said that show with Mitch, and I think it was like the other two guys. So, Dan, you and I were the other guys, but Mitch. So, there you go. That doesn't happen often. It's almost always like if you're in a group chat with John, it's like, hey, John, excellent podcast. And I'm just like, yeah, that that's cool, guys. Yeah, I, you know, I'm over here too, but it's all right. Listen, I, I'm, I may be the, the figurehead, but you guys provide the the content so that's true i'll agree with that but you know i'm gonna take the credit anyway we have a lot to get through tonight and we reached out to our guys bill and josh over at fantasy timeline and i said hey guys i'm kind of to an extent gonna steal the the premise of your show so those, those guys over there at fantasy timeline if you haven't checked them out essentially they dig through the old twitter timeline the fantasy timeline and they talk about some things that have been popping up. And that's kind of what we're doing here tonight. So initially, it was just going to be a narrative-based episode across the board. I wanted to focus solely on running backs tonight. The first one. And then if you're watching live on YouTube or on the YouTube channel after the fact, you can see I have on here fact or fiction. So for the first few that we're going through, there's the narrative what we've been told here recently. And then if you're buying into it or, you know, or whatever your thoughts may be. So Mitch, I want to start with you on this one. So Travis Etienne, he's been working out at receiver during these rookie camps. And I've been seeing a lot of Travis Etienne is Alvin Kamara. Are you buying into that? Is that fact or fiction? Man, I got to sell on that. It's, I mean, I think that's going to turn into a really long discussion on running backs and how we're attacking them. But we know Urban Meyer likes his wide res- a wide receiver running back combo, whatever you want to call him. Dan probably knows the proper word for it. But, you know, Piercy Harvin, uh, Curtis Samuel. I keep trying to remember to look up if he was the coach when Weddle 
the safety who played for the Chargers forever. Was it Utah? Because he also did that same thing at Utah. They might have not matched uh, up there. But Eric, Eric Weddle, right? Eric yeah, Weddle, Eric Weddle. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And so, but that's someone that Urban Meyer has always liked. And so I think we could see that role. And do I think that he's going to turn to Kamara? No, because there is one Kamara in the league. And I just don't think we could say, hey, this new rookie coming in is going to be the next Kamara. And a lot of it, you know, getting away from that, just the fact that he's been working on it receiver. If you talk about this with any other running back, this is a positive. It's a plus. Mm -hmm. If Najee Harris is out there running routes and solely working as a wide receiver, we know what these guys can do at running back. But for some reason, the dynasty community, the fantasy community, whether redraft or dynasty, they're seeing it as a negative. And I got a question, Mitch, because you were all aboard the James Robinson hype train. And I was there, you know, close behind you, not right behind you, but close behind you. Do you think a lot of that is just the James Robinson truthers hoping, praying, hey, maybe this could still give our guy a shot? I think it definitely could be. I mean, we don't like to admit fault in Dynasty Twitter. That's just not something that happens a lot. And so once that thing came out, I was like, no, ETN's a wide receiver. James Robinson's safe. And now you have everybody who loved James Robinson jumping back on that train being like, no. Robinson's going to be fine. It's going to be ETN that's going to you know be hard to be a flex play. It's just like, it's probably going to be ETN. And hopefully, maybe someday you could play James Robinson. Dan, are you buying into this overreaction of Travis ETN being worked out as a wide receiver at the rookie camp? I am not. I'm, I'm going to go with the fiction end of this question, but, it, but it's very muddy. You know, it has me, I have a lot of dark thoughts about the Jacksonville Jaguars here right now. They don't need to see him right away. So if I'm spinning this a, a positive way, okay, hey, he knows ETN can run and play. Let's do the hard stuff early in camp. Let's see how he you know, lines up in certain situations, get him to work in the passing game early on. Um, you know, I'm not crowning him to Kamara, though, by any means. Urban Meyer's statement of an elite running back with wide, re wide receiver skills is noteworthy. I, I think don't we always want to hear about that about any guy on our fantasy roster? So I'm – you know, kind of putting a little side note there, but also is this, or is this a sign of dysfunction in Jacksonville now? Maybe we need to change our theme song to Jackson from the Browns to, to the Jaguars here. Cause man, you know, what are they doing with shark? What are they doing with LaVisca? What are they doing with Marvin Jones? Like where does he go into like a fourth wide receiver? Um, you know, they're gonna have a blocking tight end on the field a lot. They're saying so that now, now you're, you're putting me in, um, you know, 12 personnel, uh, you know, I'm not sure what kind of personnel he's going to run. You have Robinson, you have Hyde. It's just very muddy. And when, when situations are very muddy, I kind of tend to avoid them. I was going to say real quick on ETN is in college, he wasn't asked to pass pro a lot. That just wasn't something he was asked to do. And so he, in rookie camps, they're not going to have a lot of 11 on 11 drills. So it's not like he would even get practice doing that during this rookie camp. So I think Cam going out to being a wide receiver is good. As long as we see once the real OTA star and training camp starts that he does get time and pass pro because they called him the third down back. He can't be the third down back if he cannot block because he just didn't do it in college. Like the amount of reps that he has on that is pretty, pretty low. As much as Dan talks about the ability to pass block and how critical it is, you know, well, most coaches, is Urban Meyer going to do it in the NFL? We'll see. But most coaches, they'll play to their players' strengths. Well, 
I say most. I don't even know if that's true. I don't think that's true. I think coaches do what they want to do and make the coach, make the players fit to their scheme. Okay. As I was working through it, I was, I revised it a few times. So some coaches in the NFL, they're working around their players and they're, they're playing to their strengths. So if Travis Etienne, if he, in fact, not to say he can't pass block, but because he hasn't been used up to this point, uh, you know, throughout his collegiate career, Maybe they utilize him in different ways. So while he's a third down back, they they can still get him out in space. I mean, uh, you watch the the tape, Dan. I was taking a play out of your playbook here. You watch the tape. Was that a wink? Did I just get a Dan Lamont you, wink? You, you're you're in a wink there for the tape uh, plug. But you watch him, and while he had those comments, what in 2019 about being afraid to catch the ball, he's what running those wheel routes out of the backfield and making contested catches. So I I I think it's a positive, and it should be seen that way. But I think it's crazy, absolutely crazy to think, okay, Travis Etienne at wide receiver. He's going to be a wide receiver. And then I made the joke, fantasy managers are going to be very upset when Travis Etienne gets that wide receiver designation for fantasy purposes and not running back. Again, I said that in jest. Hopefully nobody took that too seriously. Um, But last thing, Mitch. Oh, Dan. Yeah, you both make good points there. So let's just say Urban Meyer's listens to John Bauer and he says, you know what? I'm playing to my team's strengths. And he listens to Mitchell Sorensen who says, you know what? He hasn't really passed block a lot in college. And they decided to use ETN as a Swiss army knife. Cause one thing, you know, like a, any good coach, they're going to protect Trevor Lawrence first and foremost. So if pass blocking is not a strength, James Robinson is going to get his share of carries. Cause he's going to be on the field or Hyde's going to be on the field. Cause they will protect Trevor Lawrence. And if they use him as that Swiss army knife role or in receiver, He's not going to run routes better than LaVisca Chanel. He's not going to be the deep guy like DJ Shark. So we could be losing some snaps in, in the fantasy world, and I don't really want that Swiss Army knife. He might be a little cut above that. I mean, they, they invested heavily in him. He's Travis Etienne. We know he's talented. But there, there, there's some red flags there if uh, Urban Meyer listens to Mitch and John. Now, Mitch, let me ask you, because we were talking about this off the air and you know, DMs a few days ago. And I said, well, they already have that hybrid type player in LaVisca Chanel. And you were like, well, Meyer, it seems like he hates yeah. Chanel. <laughs> well, obviously, if he's going after Kadarius Tony, you'd have to figure Kadarius Tony is doing what they're making ETN do now. And so like, to me, it kind of feels like Chanel's not in their plans. Like us in the dynasty community thought that he would be. We thought that he would already be cemented in as that guy. And it sounds like it's not going to be the case. But one thing I wanted to bring to the table with you two about this is we're looking at as an ETN versus Robinson thing. And I don't know if we should be looking at it like that, especially this year, because we don't know. We have a new 17 game season, right? There's so last year, there was two running backs that play that started 16 games. It was Singletary, who no one cares about, and Derrick Henry. There was 13 total running backs who played, who started 13 games. That included guys like, let's see, Gurley. We had, oh, I'm forgetting the name. One second. I'm pulling it up. I couldn't remember because I forgot he's still in the league. Frank Gore, Kenny Drake, Rojo. All these guys don't have any fancy value, right? But, I mean, you take those guys out, you probably had eight running backs you really cared about starting more than 13 games. Now we're adding an extra game into it. 
how much do you guys want to go out and get Gus Edwards, Latavius Murray, Jamal Williams, those kind of backs who are actually good backups more so than you have in previous years? Because I think this is the year to where I'm kind of really scared to go have a team with Zeke, Barkley, and kind of toast behind it. I think I actually need some depth this year. Yeah, and we talked about it last year, too, because of everything with COVID. We weren't really sure how it was going to play out. So any of our existing dynasty teams, for the most part, we look at them and we hope to see some solid depth behind our our 10 starters or whatever the case may be. But for this season, it, you know, we already see it in, in baseball, clearly a different schedule length. So I'm not comparing it in that regard. But resting players along the way, now you're adding the extra game to the NFL schedule. And what? It would be like adding an extra 10 games to the baseball schedule, essentially. And you would have to think that that is creeping into the minds of some of these teams. And another reason that maybe they went out and got a Travis Etienne type player, because it gives them that additional depth. And I think that's going to be critical. And you look at these teams, the Raiders, maybe it was a really smart move to go out and get Kenyon Drake. For fantasy purposes, we hate it, but from the NFL side of it, maybe John Gruden, he's looking at it, hey, we need some additional depth, and Kenyon Drake is a guy that we like. You're dipping into my closing thoughts here. I know we have so much running back uh, talk here tonight, but you know, I, I don't think I, I don't think the depth chat strategy is going to change much in the NFL. I, I'm a little more concerned about the rep snap management with 18 weeks, almost like a pitcher on a pitch count. You know, I, I, I think we're going to see some of these running backs on some pitch counts during games to get them through 18 weeks. So we're going to use running back A just as much as we were all season. But you know what? Tony Pollard is now definitely going to get those five more carries because Zeke's only going to get so many carries out of X amount of games. So I think we're going to see a little bit of a count versus the importance of depth. But, yeah, I mean, to your point, you know, Drake, hey, Drake does get those five carries now. We need to have number running back number two to be able to do what running back one does. Or There's a few ways you could play that. That was just the first example I thought of, but packing the chat says NBA might be a better example. A lot of teams are resting for the playoffs. What do they call in the NBA? Load management. Yep, exactly. That's the phrase. So we're going to see some load management here in the NFL, and that's going to drive. Oh, Dan's throwing a timeout. I'm, I'm, I'm throwing a timeout because my kids took my challenge flags. I don't know where it is. So I'm calling a timeout on Packy there, though. See, even, NBA... even your kids are tired of seeing that stupid flag. <laughs> hey, hey, easy on the flags. It's it's, it's part of the, the brand here. No, but uh, Packy, I think the NBA, you could afford to lose some games. You can't afford to lose in the NFL. Like, I'm not taking a day off of uh, Christian McCaffrey because he's only going to get so many snaps or he needs so much rest. And I know there's some talk of some teams. I don't know if maybe, Mitch, you posted it in a chat or in the notes or where I saw it. You know, it's 14 games or certain running backs with no rest or certain teams with no rest. Again, I, I think they could handle that. They're just going to get less carries. But how could you how could you sit one of your guys and plan to win a game? Well, that is going to be interesting to see if we see a full-out rest week along the way or like Dan kind of mentioned, that load management at, throughout each game. Hey, take five carries off of running back A, give it to running back B. But we'll see how it plays out. Maybe we can start to look at that moving forward beyond 2021. I did not think we were going to spend 15 minutes on Travis Etienne. And I know. Yeah, I don't know why. I, I say this every single week, guys. You got to reel me back in here, but there are a few other things we want to talk about before we get into a kind of a rapid fire running back narrative. One thing that I thought was interesting 
the strength of schedule analysis that we always see come out at this point. So it wasn't so much like a specific tweet or anything like that, but we see it every year whenever the schedules are released and the lines come out to all of the games and we can, you know, see possibly the, uh, what, what's the word I'm looking for? The, the, the point totals and uh, implied, the implied totals. Okay. There we go. It, it's all coming back to me. All right. But the strength of schedule analysis, I think it's very important when that comes out. And I know a lot of people use it, especially for redraft. But to an extent, people look at that for Dynasty as well. Maybe if you have two players in a tier and you want to pivot off of them for the the weaker schedule, maybe that's something people look to do. But I think it it's something that you know we look at factor fiction a little bit on the fiction side that there's a little bit too much stock being put into it. And guys, please jump in and and correct me if you think I'm off on this, but one thing just really high level in 2020 green Bay, the Raiders, Arizona, Buffalo, Seattle, New Orleans, the Rams, giants, Miami, and jets were all in the bottom 10 in terms of the difficulty of schedule with the defensive efficiency of their opponents. Okay the 2020 offensive efficiency on a per play basis when the season was said and done. So that was preseason. This is when the season is done. Those same teams, green Bay, Buffalo, Miami, New Orleans, Seattle, Raiders, Rams, Arizona, were all top 13. Okay. And yeah, I extended a little bit just to get Arizona in there, but the only two that were at the bottom were the jets and the giants. Is that because of the difficulty of schedule or because the teams were crap? I think we know the answer to that question. So all I'm saying is be a little bit weary, maybe, of those numbers and and analysis that comes out. I think it's a useful uh, tool that we can use here, but it should not be the determining factor tool tool. Is is that what you're laughing at? Yeah. A little bit. (laughs) I even tried to, I I was like, should I say it? I'll say it. Tool. (laughs) So it's a, it's a good tool that you could use. But it shouldn't be the determining factor. And it's just something I I thought about it as the week progressed. I I knew we were talking about narratives, and I just wanted to present it. And Mitch, Dan, you might be sitting here thinking, no, malarkey. I love the strength of schedule analysis. I I have to rethink my comments because my mind's still on tool and tool or however you say that right now. I'm going to have to put like a John Bauer sign in my tool shed. But anyway, I think I'm the only one like in the Twitterverse or – you know, anywhere on social media that actually love the schedule programming and hype. Maybe I'm just a little, you know, sick in that world of I'll take any football I could get. I mean, I, I do agree. I'm not digging too deep in like outside of quarterback bye weeks. I'm really just still researching this area. So I don't want to jump the gun to you too soon. But for Dynasty and DFS, I, I am intrigued. You know, it's an expanded schedule. It's new territory. Um, I think Warren Sharp was on the Ross Tucker football pro- podcast, which again, we are a proud member of. Um, and he was really diving into some like competitive advantages, I thought, more than ever. And, and he's a guy that has some good analytics, John, you know, a little bit, you know, touche. On, back I'm, to you. I'm on sharpfootballstats.com almost every single day. He is diving in the like extra deep this year and even says there's some NFL teams that are kind of saying, hey, maybe we should be looking at this a little bit more identifying teams that that clearly do have some edges edges as you look at it but i think you know the stats you shared john of looking back at at teams last year it kind of leads me to leaning that like the bottom line is a good healthy ball ball club will overcome a dysfunctional or injury laden team will not 
But uh, I will be looking in the upcoming weeks leading up to the season to see where where we could find an edge and definitely looking at those later playoff weeks as I do every year. Yeah, I think Dan's right. There's, I think the schedule itself, how it's built, some teams have edges on other teams. Some teams don't have, have three back-to-backs or three home games in a row, right? Some teams only have two. Like, I know Detroit plays away before their Thursday Thanksgiving game, where usually if you get that home game before it, it ends up helping your win probability. But one of the things that, that I'm going to hate... Nothing, nothing is helping Detroit's win probability. No, hopefully go on 16. 17 <laughs> that's the hope. But one thing that's going to bug me so bad over the next 16 weeks is I think everyone kind of agrees, you know, hey, we're going to have misses in fantasy. That's just how it is. That's cool. But we will hear these are the best strength of schedule teams and that's just how it is and it's going to be repeated over and over and over. We aren't good at fantasy. We can't pick out individual players doing well, but we're going to pick out whole teams that are going to do well offensively or defensively. Like it just blows my mind. I think how sharp does it going off of the Vegas win totals is actually really smart. You know, that has some biases into it too, but I think that's probably the fairest way to go about it is like Vegas totals are where they are because people put a lot of money on those teams. And so if there's a lot of money, there's probably some good thought behind it. I just think how bad are we as a fantasy community of looking at these teams and saying, yeah, that's going to be a great defense. That's yeah. And maybe, maybe that's where the IDP people really come into play. Maybe, maybe partnering with somebody on that side of the ball could really help us look at that. But I, I remember think- two years ago, the Colts were supposed to be the worst defense in history of football. I mean, that defense was supposed to be horrible. You know, they end up being middle of the pack and they were fine. But that's the issue is like, everyone's like, nope, they're the worst. They're not going to be able to stop anybody. So everybody drafts all August thinking that's how it's going to be. Lo and behold, they're average. And so it doesn't really matter. Yeah, I've taken part in a few, um, the FFPC best Mm -hmm. ball leagues and the bye weeks, you know, because they are redraft. I've been looking at them. But in terms of schedule, I haven't really looked at that too, too much. You know, I've looked at it a little bit, but it's something I haven't really spent a lot of time on. But moving on here. Wait, can I mention one thing that actually I just remembered about the schedule? One thing I do look at, I'm probably the only person in the world that thinks this way. AFC North teams, I don't like the Bengals because they have to play the Browns defense. They play the Steelers defense. They play the Ravens defense. That is always in my mind. I'm like, look, they have six games during the season against those defenses. Mm -hmm. I'm going to end up probably being lower on those guys, even though my rankings probably have them a little bit higher because I don't want to throw that bias in there for everybody. But in my mind, I'm like, that's what I worry about. So maybe adding that extra game, it could help boost a team like Cincinnati in your overall rankings mm-hmm. because it could it's thrown in that wild card team, you know, or a random team that's not in the division that potentially could have a weaker defense. And really quick, just because we're talking about the schedule, Owen in the chat says, with bye weeks week 14, is it advisable not to have playoffs start until week 15? Mitch, you were very adamant. You're a commissioner in several leagues. I'm not changing anything. <laughs> That's and right. Then, it's all stay the same. And then as soon as it came out, hey, there's four bye weeks in week 14. What did you do? He just stole my final thought, so that kind of ruined it. I saw that comment. I'm like, that's my final final thought. Come on, Mitch, join the club. But now, week 15, I think you have to start it there. It's not fair to have um, four teams on a bye going into that first week. You just 
you can't do it for the playoffs. And so I think you have to start at week 15. I think if you don't do it that way, you're just being stubborn more than anything at this point. And so just go in, give it one more week, see what the MFL or sleeper, however they change the weekly schedule based off that, but you have to do it. Mitch, you're good. You know, I, I know I give both of you a hard time. You're good at a lot of things. Hey, you, just listen, but being flexible and not stubborn it's not one of those. You're a very oh, stubborn no. person. I'm the most stubborn person there is, and I'm proud of that. <laughs> so so the fact that you were able to change that, I think all commissioners should be looking at that. So moving along here, Mitch, this is something you brought to the table. Fact or fiction? Is yeah. Dynasty, is Dynasty Purgatory real in a 12-team league? And what did you mean by that when you said that? Okay, so we've brought it up before, is Dynasty Purgatory is when you're just an average team, you're not getting better, you're not getting worse, and you're kind of just donating to the pot each year. You're not really putting yourself in contention. I think in 14-team leagues, without a shadow of a doubt, you could just be an average team and never have a chance of winning. But the more I've thought about in 12-team leagues, I just don't think it's true. I think it's really bad advice that the Dynasty community gives out. It's like, no, you need to go rebuild. So I'll base it off this. We've seen fifth and sixth seeds in the playoffs go on a run and win the league. I think we... Every single person has a really good team that has a story of like, nope, I lost in the first week because this team got hot and went on a run, right? So I don't think those teams can be considered dynasty purgatory. Top three picks probably aren't either because that doesn't make sense. So that kind of leaves the 104, the 105, the 106. So I went back and I looked. This year, you got Chase, Pitts, or Harris. These are super flex leagues. So that's probably not bad. Um, last year, you got Tua, Dobbins, or Swift. All those guys are improving your team. I went back to 2019. These are all on DLF, all DLF's mock rankings. Um, I couldn't find the super flex, but I kind of went through it. It was Miles, Montgomery, or AJ Brown. All of those guys are helping your team win at some point, right? So how much is it Dynasty Purgatory? Is getting that 105 really killing you? Or should you have traded that one more asset to move up to the 103? I don't think it's helping you as much to get the 103s of having the 105 as much as we make it out to be. When you brought this up, I kind of looked at it with a different spin on it in a 12 team league. In most situations, six teams are getting into the playoffs, 50% of the league. Once you get into the playoffs, it's anybody's game. Like you said, a, a juggernaut, you know, you might, you will get that first round by, but there were teams I, I had a in one specific league. I had a six seed. It was my team make it through to the championship and won it. I look at that team and I have my heat map for my teams. There's a lot of red on that team. I'm like, how the heck did this team get there? But all you really have to do is make the playoffs. So, and I don't even want to say it. Cause I know you guys are going to laugh, but maybe not rebuild, but retold. No. <laughs> so um you know not a, not a complete blow it up situation and there's a few leagues that i've done that kind of just to mix it up but i do like the idea of talking about this dynasty purgatory because we've even talked about it previously mm -hmm. and I, I like being able to look back at that and think is it overblown a little bit and yeah i think potentially it could be dan what are your thoughts on that yeah, I'm with you, JB. Like, I mean, when I, I think Mitch, I came and talked tonight. When Mitch first brought this up in the in the chat, there, I was like, "Well, what is a dynasty purgatory?" And then JB came in there with a scientific answer, and I uh, says, "Okay." 
And then I was like, all right, I don't know what playing from the middle or bottom is. I think it's like playoff or bust annually to, to JB's point of, hey, you just got to get in the show. You just got to get in the dance. And, you know, there's a couple of those rosters we have, JB, that's got a little extra red in it, you know, so there are some that we have to retool. I, I definitely not looking to uh, completely rebuild or even though I do see some of our, our league mates and uh, I think we experiment sometimes to try to stockpile as many of those number one picks as we can. And, that, and that's kind of a fun way to to build from time to time. But ultimately, I just see the difference of the active owner versus the owner that has a different kind of strategy. You know, is a little bit more laid back, is picking and choosing their times, and they get they kind of fall into that dynasty purgatory trap. And I'd be even wondering, Mitch, if they even realize they're in that little mm-hmm. kind of annual circle of just donating money. So I really think it just comes down to being active. That's a really good point too. And I, I just keep flipping and flopping here. So what Dan said there. I think it does lead you to dynasty purgatory. Do you like that 180 I just did live mm-hmm. on the air here? Where, yeah, maybe you added Najee Harris. Maybe you added Chase, Miles Sanders, David Montgomery, whoever over the last few years. But you're not making any moves along the way besides keeping your draft pick, taking that pick at 104, 105, 106. But now you have assets that are declining. So while you might not have won it over the last few years, now you really don't have assets to move because you're sitting there with Drew Brees and Ben as your quarterbacks or, you know, whatever the case is, Andy Dalton, Cam Newton. I don't know anybody that would want to do that, but I think there's some people out there, some people that are shade, you know, hanging their head in shame live on the air right now. (laughs) But Mitch, what are your thoughts there? Because I think in that situation, those might be the only people that could be considered them in dynasty purgatory. Yeah, I can completely agree with that, but I'll also say anyone listening to dynasty theory, is not that person. Like I'm fairly confident the people that are taking time out of their week in middle of what is it? May to listen to a dynasty podcast. They're not going to be the guys that are just going to sit there and wait until August. So my thing is like, look, if you barely missed out on the playoffs, doesn't mean you need to blow it up. We see it every year, like week two, a team will lose two games and someone's injured. They're like, Oh, I got to blow up my whole team now. And then they trade everybody for picks. And it's like, sweet, I have all these picks, but your team's not going to compete for another three years. And so, like we said, you're just donating the pot. That's me in that Just Us League. Again, it's a oh, I saw you blow that up, man. <laughs> I went from having four starting quarterbacks a week ago. It's 16-team Superflex League. I now have zero starting quarterbacks. I think I have 10 firsts over the next two years. And it's just one of those leagues. I'm like, let's get crazy. Would I advise that for somebody that's just in one league? Heck no. You know, when, but, you, when you have 75 teams, you can experiment a little bit. Do whatever you want. <laughs> well, speaking of all those teams and all the shares of Keyshawn Vaughn I have, we got to bring up his name. Mitch, how many times have you seen the tweet? This year's Keyshawn Vaughn is. So fact or fiction, is there a, I use air quotes, Keyshawn Vaughn in this year's class? If I had a challenge flag, I'd throw it here. Was Keyshawn Vaughn even a thing last year? I mean, I saw these notes and I was like, who's this year's Keyshawn Vaughn? I didn't even know he was a thing last year. Well, that's so what me, the, yeah. Let me say when I think of, and that tweet it's, it's out there constantly and it's in, it's phrased different ways. It's people putting again, that narrative, that spin on somebody in this year's class, the way I interpret it for you to even be able to be considered a Keyshawn Vaughn, somebody that really came out of nowhere because of solid draft capital, third round, a presumed decent landing spot, Tampa Bay, you were rising up the rookie draft boards and then ignoring all other factors, which 
we did the busts. And again, is it is it too early to say he's a, a complete bust? Yeah, but it doesn't look good at this point. And I see Josh in the chat saying the name that a lot of people. Now, I, I have the real one. So this is someone who came out of nowhere, right? Everyone kind of knew his name. Didn't have the most talent in the world, but we kind of liked him because of his landing spot. What about Mac Jones? No one liked him really throughout the season to be a starting quarterback in the NFL. He started getting hyped. He got drafted highly, so now all of a sudden he's going, you know, in the first round of Superflex drafts. I've taken him in a lot of leagues. I'm not completely confident he's going to be a good NFL quarterback, so he would be the guy. But I will say real quick on the tweet that's going out, this year's Keyshawn Vaughn. Like, I better see it from everybody who had to kill Harry as their wide receiver one because the thing is, like, people love their hits. I mean, they're like, hey, I faded Keyshawn Vaughn, so I'm going to hit repeat on this over and over and over but i guarantee i could go back and look and you probably had to kill harry's your wide receiver one so really quick on mac jones that that is interesting my only argument would be leading up to the draft there was the expectation that he was going to get that first round draft capital and i i we had him and i say we i'm pretty sure all three of us had him like that 203 204 range and it started creeping up once we really started not just hearing in josh's comment he was always going to be a first rounder but once we started hearing about top 10 maybe top 15 i think that's when people started to pull him up even closer so i i kind of get that to an extent it was a stretch i tried i tried but you know people were using a skill position player here and josh said the name trey sermon so dan (laughs) is because you had Trey Sermon as your running back for pre-draft, and the receipts are out there. So this year's Keyshawn Vaughn is Trey Sermon. Fact or fiction? No, it's that's fiction there because Trey Sermon is a talented dude, man. He he's a specimen that when he comes off the bus, he's going to be turning heads and he's going to be out on the field and he, he's going to be a performer. And I think him and Mac Jones are just really good football players that are going into good ball clubs. Uh, my expectations are high. My Keyshawn Vaughn is one that the Dynasty Theory boys will probably disagree with me, but I think it's only fair from the guys who kind of term the Keyshawn Vaughn, I think, are drinking a little too much Kool-Aid on Amon Ra St. Brown, who is a fourth-round pick who I'm seeing people draft. They like his Detroit landing spot, and my apologies here, Mitch. But they're drafting him before my boy Kadarius to Tony. And, and I don't think the talent adds up. I even like Deami Brown more than Amon St. Brown. I have Deami over Amon Ra. I just, I just, I'm seeing Amon Ra get drafted often higher than receivers I like more. And I, I just don't see it. And again, he was drafted in the fourth round by the Lions. He, it is a decent landing spot. And I think that spikes it up a little bit along with his cool name. I just don't think he's that talented. I think he's a hard-working, feisty football player that'll, you know, he'll be good, but I don't see him hanging on fantasy rosters. I think this podcast just turned from a 45-minute one into at least like a four-hour-long one between you two talking about these guys. <laughs> well, I'm going to I'm gonna ignore the hate because I also have Deami Brown <laughs> over Amon Ross. You guys know how important that draft capital was for me. And while we talk about Keyshawn Vaughn getting the third-round draft capital, Amon Ra he crept into day three and got that fourth round draft capital still to the lions who I predicted on our day two live stream. I kept saying, pick 101, pick 101. Anyway, 
looking at some of the uh, Owen in the chat says Michael Carter. That's an interesting one. Uh, but oh. for me, Key, Keyshawn Vaughn skyrocketed up rookie draft boards. I don't think Michael Carter did for the most part. If it weren't for every single wide receiver getting day three draft capital, Michael Carter would have plummeted down my draft board. But by default, he kind of stayed the same. But he didn't rise for me at all. John, I actually have something that hopefully you can look up. Maybe this we can get back to us on. I would love to. So wide receivers, right? We talk about prospects coming in as we need to look at them differently because they play different places, right? So you have Jamar Chase who can do everything. You have someone like De'Ami Brown who pretty much plays the X, right? So when you have a slot wide receiver coming into the NFL, would the draft capital make a difference on how likely they are to produce? Because in my head, I'm just going through my head, right? Keenan Allen was like a third round guy, right? Beasley was lower. Edelman was, I mean, he was a quarterback coming out. Mm -hmm. And so like all these slot guys I'm running through in my head, I'm like, maybe you could get later round draft capital and still be okay. Because we're comparing them to every other wide receiver. We're comparing these slot guys to the guys like Hakeem Butler that's coming out who's never going to do anything, who was never going to be a slot guy. That would be interesting to dive into, and you know I'm going to do it. I know. And I might Next week in wide receivers, just so you know. Yeah, I might have some time. I will have some time this week. I'll make some time. But across the board, I want to say there's not going to be a material difference, but I am going to find out. So what I'm going to do, I think, is maybe do a comparison of slot percentage once they hit the yeah. NFL. You know, I use PFF or something like that and, and do some kind of comparison there and then tie in the draft capital. And we lost Dan about five minutes ago, I think. <laughs> I, I, it's it's I, digging deep right now. But, hey, even Owen said in the chat there, man, he got Bateman over. I'm on St. Ross St. Brown in a league. That's crazy to think about. So don't, it, it, don't, don't, don't project this on me, though. <laughs> I, the pin tweet on my Twitter, it, it has all of my – post-draft, pretty much immediate reaction, post-NFL draft, I have Bateman well ahead of Amon Ross St. Brown, so don't yeah, put that it, evil on me. And as much as I love busting your chops, and you know that, I actually am not putting it to, to you. I mean, there's a lot of people, different people, different leagues, different Twitter posts that, that have them up. And I just think Detroit, as they're building this team, you know, they built it through the draft with the linemen. You know, they're, they're protecting Goff. They, they've got some pieces. I can't see them not upgrading this wide receiver core a year from now. Um, you know, I think it's, you know, Brashad Perryman, the gazelle Hawkinson's probably their number one real true target. And I think, you know, St. Brown's just kind of a roll of the dice and we'll see how he develops. But I, again, I, I see a whole new wide receiver core in the Detroit lions future. So is there anybody really, we've been talking about it that fits that mold. Because of the the draft capital, again, third round is fine for running back. And because of the presumed ideal landing spot, they shot up the draft board. I don't really know that it happened this year. Yeah, I can't think of one. I think Amon Ra might be the closest, to be honest with you. I think he's one he, to one. He dropped in my rankings. Yeah. That's just one person. Right. You know, <laughs> I can... I, I can what was the one tweet? It was a passive well, aggressive subtweet I had the other day. You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. That's all I can do. I can just lead you to the water. What you do with it, that's up to you guys. You that's are fair. a leader, John. Thank you. Thank you. Lead us to the next question here. 
Oh, well, I am. I am. And this <laughs> this is going to be like three seconds of not even analysis, but I'm so sick and tired of seeing. I'm not sure if anybody's talking about this, but or I haven't seen this, but listen, it's Twitter. There are millions and millions and millions of users. I guarantee you somebody's talking about it. Just search the name first before you tweet it. Any other uh, in-depth analysis there? Summed it up perfect, man. <laughs> All right, I gotta I gotta move my my little thing over here. Let's see, running back narratives. All right, we're highlighted. So what I did, and I'm gonna play devil's advocate. So if you're just tuning in, or you were you fast forwarded through the the last ten minutes of the show, and you start to hear this, this is not me saying these things are true, but just narratives that I think could come up for these running backs. And I want you to tell me, Mitch and Dan. If you're buying into any of it, maybe one of these things you're like, yeah, that is a concern or no, it's all garbage. I'm not worried about that. Buy or sell. Yeah, essentially. So I liked it, but are you buying the narratives or selling the narratives? Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. So Dan, I want to start with you and I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine running backs here. So Dan Saquon Barkley, bad team. Jason Garrett is the offensive coordinator. Injuries have been piling up. Contract question marks beyond 2021. There's the fifth-year option in 2022, but what happens there? Are you buying any of those narratives? Or are you selling all of them and saying Saquon Barkley is still an absolute stud? I'm selling them because I'm not sure the Giants are a bad team. You know, I'm really interested to see how that NFC East shapes up. You know, me putting my Cowboys homerism aside, like I'm worried about Washington and the Giants, like one of those teams kind of getting it together and it's the perfect storm and they go on and win the NFC East and there's enough talent in that Giants offense. Um, you know, they got some some pieces on the defensive side as well in the offseason. So, and I think Barkley's just a freak. I mean, he's just a stud. He's healthy. He's ready to go. It's really about health. Um, so I'm, I'm completely selling. Yeah, I'm selling that one too, just to repeat what Dan said. Like, I'm a big running back talent matters guy. And so if I hear Barkley, I don't care if he's on a bad team or not. Like, I'm completely all in on him. I think he's going to have a great season. And I love Danny Dimes. Danny Dimes is like my quarterback. I just keep getting in every single draft. This year's going to be the year. That's a fun gamble right there. Because to me, that's the question of whether the Giants – take that next step. If Danny Dimes could just improve a little bit, boy, does he have a lot of weapons around him. So that could be a sneaky, like boom for you, Mitch. And like, you're, you're just striking gold. Kind of like some people are going after Sam Darnold. There's a certain guys in good situations that could really pay off or Mitch, you could be crying a year from now. And the giants are like, have all this talent, but they're, they're looking for their field general. Sorry. There was this little bug that keeps flying around me. And <laughs> So what do you if you see me go like that? That's I just saw it in the corner of my eye. All right, is, is Barkley still your running back two in Dynasty, Mitch? Yeah, Dan. Yes, there have been very few startups that I've that I've been taking part in. Again, it's very anecdotal, so I'm sure it's different across the board. I would hope so, but very few that I've actually seen him go running back to. So maybe some people are buying into the narratives. Mitch, I want to start with you on this one, Jonathan Taylor. Philip Rivers is not there to dump the ball off anymore. Poor opponents to end the 2020, which kind of boosted his season-long performance. And then he's still going to be in a committee. You have Naheem Hines, and now you have Marlon Mack coming back. Yeah, I'm buying this. I'm. Mean, we know Philip Rivers is the check-down king to running backs. That's been his MO for the last four or five years now. 
he is going to see less targets. They've they were using a running back by committee the whole time until everybody else got injured, and then Jonathan Taylor took over. So I completely agree with this. I think Jonathan Taylor's still a really good running back, and he's going to be okay. But I believe all these things are stuff you should worry about with him. Okay, I didn't know if we were going to see many buying the narratives tonight, but Mitch, Mitch, you've been on Twitter too much apparently. A little bit, yeah. Dan, what are your thoughts here? So I'm struggling a little bit. My my notes here have me as selling and not concerned because I just think he's an incredible specimen of an athlete, kind of like Barkley 2.0 potentially. But I'm also like, I don't know if I'm buying him as high as the consensus. Like in our 16-team startup tonight, he went, you know, I had McCaffrey at 111 after a big – or 112 after 11 quarterbacks went in a row. And then Taylor went two picks after me. I'm like – second running back so he went ahead of Barkley and some other guys that I'm not sure I'd take him ahead of so like I want to say I'm not concerned and I'm selling that narrative but I'm also not putting that high a draft capital on Jonathan Taylor where I have that high of an expectation that's fair all right so it's like one and a half buying the narrative there Dan's kind of he's gonna hold he's gonna hold all right Dan Alvin Kamara turns 26 this offseason and then Taysom Hill potentially is going to be his starting quarterback enough said i do have some concern there it may be mild concern i still love alvin Kamara because you could use him every which way possible he could run the ball well he could catch the ball out of the passing game i do think winston's going to be the you know the the main quarterback there unless he just gets too crazy turning over the ball then you know maybe hill's role expands in some way who knows um but, you know, at turning 26, too, he's starting to hit that little point where he's going to get harder to get what we expect out of him. You know, so so I do have so I do have some concerns because, you know, that window kind of closed for New Orleans. They were all in trying to win a Super Bowl with Drew, Drew Brees again, and they didn't accomplish that. And now they have quarterback questions. They've got wide receiver questions. They've got tight end questions. This, this may not be the same New Orleans offense now. Do we all think Peyton will figure it out? Yeah, probably. Yeah, I'm not going to bet against Sean Peyton. There is still talent there. So mild concern, JB. I, I would say I'm, if I have to lean one way, I'd be buying. Mitch? I'm a buy as well. If Taysom is going to play some quarterback, whether Winston is the starter or not, when Hill is in, you just have to assume that Kamara's probably not going to touch the ball in that play. I mean, the odds are Hill's going to run it or they're going to have some scheme thing thrown up to throw to the tight end or something like that. I just, Kamara scares me. I don't think I've drafted him in any leagues this season. I don't think I've traded for him in any leagues. False. You and I in a co-managed league did draft him. We did? See, we, I said I couldn't remember. So that's I, I get false. But I no, false. Mitch so wasn't was like, paying attention. He just let you make a decision there, JB. So no, no, no. But this kind of goes perfectly. I don't wanna, I'm not going to spend too much time on it. I'm buying it. The narratives that is. But so many people are, it's impacting his price in startups and people, if they're entering a rebuild, they're trying to get him off their roster. I've seen Alvin Kamara go for a very reasonable price in existing leagues and a really reasonable price point in startups. If I have a second here while you guys are uh, you know, talking about our next running back here, I'll pull up where we got him. But I'm buying that, the narratives. But as a result of everybody else, I might be buying Alvin Kamara still. Um, who are we going with? Mitch, Nick Chubb, minimal work in the passing game. Kareem Hunt still there. I will say 
I'm going to sell the narrative because I think Chubb's still going to be really good. But no one, there's a couple of leagues to where I would like to move him because I need to get some additional pieces to compete. No one is paying his cost. Like I cannot trade him to anybody. So although I'm selling it, it sounds like 90% of the dynasty community is all in on that. Because every single person, they're like, well, if I'm going to pay that much, I want to get not quite Dalvin Cook, but, you know, a Dalvin Cook type back. Do you think part of that's just because he's a veteran? Like, nobody wants to pay yeah, anything for veterans at this point of the offseason. Dan? Yeah, um, these, ne- these backs we're talking about now that we have clustered together, Kamara, Chubb, and then when we get to our next back, like they're in that mild concern range. I think, unlike Kamara, I would probably lean towards the the sell the concern because I just think Chubb is such a stud, and I think this Cleveland Brown teams Cleveland Browns team is going to be really good, and I think that running game is going to be really good. But man, Hunt is there, and he is an uber talented back, and it's it's never fun having that feature back when you know you have another feature back on that team that could steal his thunder at any time in any game, and I think OBJ comes back healthy and. You know, the Browns are just – they're adding weapons. You know, I, I think even that passing game might evolve a little bit this year. So I do have mild concern, but I'm going to sell the nar- narrative because they're such a run-heavy ball club. And I shouldn't have looked it up where we got Alvin Kamara because I was feeling a heck of a lot better before I looked to see where we got him. Now, we got him at 212, so that's okay. But we took him running back five off the board. And for some reason in my mind, I was like, no, we got him like running I don't like back it. Then. Why do you got, have to say that? You know? I know. Now I'm thinking, now we got to reach out to that commissioner and redraft the league, I think. <laughs> All right. Derrick Henry, 27 years old, no involvement in the passing game. Sounds like Nick Chubb. And last year, the offense was historically efficient. Do they come back down to earth? Dan, I want to start with you. This one's, a, you guys know I'm a Henry Homer historically here. And, and I He's in that mild concern class, but for the first time, I'm kind of buying the narrative a little bit in the history of my Derrick Henry homerisms here because I'm a little concerned about the Tennessee Titans. You know, there's some narrative out there that like their win now window may have slid a little bit. They lost so much production in that passing game, and I'm not sure they could they could replace it. Maybe they could, but but you know, could Josh Reynolds be a number two? Could uh, who they get was it Fitzpatrick? I don't want to confuse my rookie wide receivers here. I do like Fitzpatrick. Yeah, I do like Des Fitzpatrick, but you're putting a lot on a rookie, and you lose Janu. I mean, they just lost a lot of passing game production. So now you stack the box again. You're asking a ton for Henry from Henry again. You're also chunking the season out. We talked about if there's going to be any load management. Like don't don't take away carries from Henry because we need that volume because he's not there in the passing game. Um, so at some point at age 27, either the body could break down. Again, I think he's such a freak. I think he could go a little bit longer than your average back, you know, as far as when they approach that age 30 range. But you're just asking a lot out of this guy. And, you know, maybe Darrington Evans kind of comes into something in year two. I know Brian Hill was signed there. They have a little more running back depth maybe than they did in years past. So I'm buying mild concern, but I am buying a little bit of that narrative. I'm selling it. Like mainly because I think we've all faded Derek Kenny for this exact same reason. Every single season of his he, career, he's been a sell yep. three years in a row. Two years ago, I wrote an article about him being a sell and I'm like, 
hell, he's he's a sell still, yeah. but he's still putting up RB one numbers. So he is built different than other people on this planet are built. I mean, built different than other running backs are built. Like I'm just putting my blinders on with him at this point. If he's on my team, I'm not trading him. I'm willing to go out and acquire him. He's just that guy to where until I see him fail. I mean, I can't remember a big injury that he's had. Yeah, but now it wasn't uh, a year ago we that. were knock on wood. Knock yes, right? Dan. Wasn't a year yes, ago Dan. we were arguing over this, and, yes, and I was fighting tooth and nail there about Derrick Henry. I, I, but they're playing again, scared now. I don't know. I don't get it. It's it's a team thing for me though. It's a team thing. I just I I, I need to watch and see what the Titans are doing. Derrick there. Henry can carry that franchise for eighteen games. Yep. <laughs> Seventeen. <laughs> At least sixteen. I only need sixteen. All right. So for these next five. We're just going to go back and forth. You'll each take one. Mitch, I want to start with you. Yes. Good. I want to <laughs> Cam Akers, committee. Stafford pushes the ball down the field more than Goff in 2020. 8.7 intended air yards per uh, pass attempt. And then 6.2 for Goff. So a 2.5 yard difference there for intended air yards. So Cam Akers, selling or buying that narrative? Buying it. I am buying this narrative. My big buy this offseason. <laughs> the guy I want a lot of my leagues is Henderson. Henderson is absolutely free. And if you think this isn't going to be a committee, I think you're drunk because the only time Akers actually did a lot was because Henderson was injured. And then like he kind of came back at the end of the season, Akers kind of took off in the playoffs and that was really good. That's all that we're remembering right now. We're not remembering the first 14 weeks of the season when Akers had a hard time getting on the field. But you could say that about Nick Chubb, his rookie year. Yeah, I think it's a rookie thing. They traded. No, I think they cut the person that was in front of Nick Chubb. Daryl Henderson's still on the team. We're not going to mention Malcolm Brown because he isn't a good running back, JB. Sorry. And he's he's gone. He's 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 not not there there anymore. I know. We're not mentioning him. (laughs) Really quick, I just want to pull up some uh, rankings here quickly from Fantasy Pros. They have Cam Akers as running back eight. DeAndre Swift is immediately behind him. Mitch is... If you can move Cam Akers for Swift Plus, are you doing that? Yeah, <laughs> heartbeat. I would do it straight up. What about Dobbins? I would take Dobbins. Zeke? Uh, no, we can't take Zeke at this point. Najee Harris? Yeah, I take Harris. Antonio Gibson? Oh, that one's close. It's just hate for Akers. I never knew it existed like this. Yeah. I, it, so, it, oh, real I, quick. Like, I love Akers better than all these guys that you just mentioned, John. Um, you know, now I do see him sometimes going too high, but like, like I think to Mitch's point, remembering that late in the season, like sometimes he's catapulting up drafts, like, holy cow, he's gone that soon. But that Rams offensive line is like one injury away from being horrible, not like average, like absolutely horrible. They brought in nobody. Their draft was horrendous. I mean, Tutu Atwell, if he sees the field, that tells us everything we need to know, right? He might be an offensive lineman when it's all said and done. <laughs> he actually <laughs> might be. All right. All right. So let, let's keep this moving Sorry. along. Sorry. And no, no, you're good. I, I like the back and forth in the conversation. There. So Cam Akers immediately behind him. I said DeAndre Swift. So Dan, DeAndre Swift, he plays for the Lions. They brought in Jamal Williams. The team is presumably tanking loaded boxes. But on the other side, according to Twitter, he's going to get 350 targets this year. <laughs> so which which of those are you buying or selling? 
I'm, I'm, I'm buying. I, I would have concern over, over Swifty when there's just some running backs in safer situations right around him that I'd be happy to draft if I'm grabbing a running back in that range. And uh, I, I don't want Swift versus a stack box. He's not Derrick Henry. And he, yeah, he could get some catches. DeAndre Swift can catch the ball. He could catch the ball. Yes, he can. But I, I mean, again, you could just put your game plan around making sure DeAndre Swift is contained. Uh, are we pulling out the Swifty jersey there? I like yeah. it. I like it. Again, I, I have nothing against Swifty. He's a Georgia boy. I love that. I'm rooting for him. Um, but uh, I'd, I'd have I'd have concern with just anybody on Detroit, really. No, sell those narratives. John, I have a real quick question for you on loaded boxes. Isn't that personnel-based? Like, it, 90, it, besides an absolutely horrible quarterback, isn't it personnel-based? Yeah, so – this was like two or three years ago in our Dynasty Theory Listener League. You, me, and TJ had some really good back and forth. And I think it turned to me and TJ, and I kind of like kicked you out of the conversation. Huh. And we, we started looking all this stuff up about it. And if you're a team that runs 11 personnel, when you look at next-gen stats, it's eight-plus defenders in the box, right? Well, if you're running 11 personnel you're not going to have eight defenders in the box. So take that with a grain of salt. I would like to see if there were, and, and maybe Dan can shed some light on this, but if you have five linemen and you have six guys in the box, that should be considered a stack box. No. Yeah. Say that again. What were those numbers you just gave me? Sorry. I was yeah. thinking about the, I, I was going through the lions personnel in my head. Like right now I just picture like, okay, Brashad Perryman's not going to be beat as deep. So I'm going to keep a safety over the top. But other than that, I am afraid of nothing on your roster. Like Tyrell Williams. He, he the gazelle, was, the gazelle but, could do it. But if you run Maybe. 11 personnel and have three wide receivers out there, yep. you still need to account for them. So what we're saying is, when you go on next gen stats, since eight plus defenders in the box, there is a direct correlation between the amount of 11 personnel that you run versus eight plus defenders in the box because it just can't happen because you're pulling those defenders out. But again, it should be based on how many defenders are going up against those linemen. That's what it should be in my mind and kind of what Mitch was alluding to. And I don't know what Dan is writing on his board. I don't know, but I'll until Dan finishes writing on his board, I will just say, I agree. I could understand anyone buying this stuff on the lions. They could be a horrible football team to the point to where their offense is barely better than what the jets was last year. I mean, it could be really bad. And you could, you could still stack the box. Cause now we talk 11 personnel. That just means one tight end, one running back. That tight end could be on the line of scrimmage. He doesn't have a fullback. I'm going to man up the X receiver. I'm going to man up the Z wide receiver. Safety over the top so Perryman doesn't beat me deep. We're Swifty's in trouble over here. You know, again, now. Where's your third wide receiver? Five, six, seven, eight, nine. Yeah, there's a third wide receiver. Okay, so if we go. Five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Right. How many linemen do we got? So I bring that there line back. There are thirty linemen out. in this formation. I, I still have six on five in the trenches, so the numbers still are in favor because Goff can't run. So I don't have to worry about Goff scrambling out no, and protecting no, no. the quarterback. And yeah, and that's not disagreeing at all. And that's the point we're making. That's a stacked box. But if you go on next gen stats where it's eight plus defenders in the box, that play is not going to show up. And that's exactly what we're talking about. So, anyway, the point there more 11 personnel, 
less eight plus defenders in the box. Boom, done. Mitch, Aaron Jones, injuries, turns 27 in December. Aaron Rodgers, question mark? Bye. I'm buying everything. Like, Rodgers isn't there. Having Aaron Jones on your team is really bad. So if Rodgers comes back and Aaron Jones has a huge year, he's still going to lose value next year because he'll be 27. So I'm buying all this stuff with Aaron Jones. Sorry, Packy. All right, Dan, J.K. Dobbins, Lamar, vulturing the goal line carries, no passing work for J.K. Dobbins, the committee with Gus Edwards. Are we buying or selling those narratives that have been running rampant? No concern. No young, concern. young stud back, good offense, good football team. No concern. They had some help in the passing game too, which I think alleviates a little bit of pressure there. And they're they're not going to change their scheme, but I think it alleviates a little pressure for Dobbins. It's funny because J.K. Dobbins, he had so much hype. And then it's like once they decided to keep Gus Edwards, everyone's like, heck no, I'm out. <laughs> like, And so then, funny. well, Lamar Jackson, he's a concern. You didn't think Lamar Jackson was going to be there in 2021? What? So why is that now a concern? J.K. Dobbins, I'm also selling those narratives. And if I can get him, I might be looking to acquire him. Last yeah. one. Look mm-hmm. up Mark Ingram 2019, and that'll pretty much suffice on what you want. Yeah, no minimal passing down work, really efficient in the red zone and inside the five. But anyway, that's another story. Mitch, Najee Harris, poor offensive line play in Pittsburgh, question marks with Ben, and he is about to get his AARP card. Like, I will buy these, but it doesn't matter because he's going to get all the work, right? Like, I could buy each narrative like, yeah, sure, the offensive line could suck. Ben's getting older. And Najee Harris is like 45, but he's going to touch the ball 300, 350 times this year. So it doesn't really matter because he's going to end up getting the volume to overcome it. There's some starking similarities between the Lions and the Steelers. Like, so we talk, I just think the difference is because what I worry about the Steelers is the offensive line was a question mark last year. They didn't really fix it. Big Ben's older than dust. Let's say he retires after this year. They have no quarterback. So we have a questionable line and no quarterback. Juju leaves the free agency next year. What happens with the Steelers? So that does give me some mild concern, but I have faith in the Steelers organization historically, like they'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. So I would say there's mild concern, but I'm not buying it. I'm, I'm going to keep faith. I love Najee. I think they're going to be, you know, throw the ball a ton of times. Like you're saying, he's going to get all the work. But then when you go over there to Detroit, it's kind of like, okay, I have to be really optimistic right now and Coach Campbell and what they're doing. And, and they have made some decent moves, but they could mess this up because they're the Lions. I mean, if you're going by track record, it's been a long time since they've figured things out. The Lions being compared to the Steelers is like a home run here. I mean, this never happens. Well, Swift to Harris, there's concerns in the narrative. But, again, I think the Steelers will fix fix the concerns there. I'm not sure the Lions will fix the concerns over there for DeAndre Swift. The only similarity between the Detroit Lions and the Pittsburgh Steelers are the fact that they both are football teams. (laughs) Maybe it was a Swift-Harris comparison. Maybe I should have dug a little deeper there. Anyway, on Najee Harris, I'm buying the narratives. I'm, I'm on board with Mitch buying the narratives because they should be a concern. But if you're getting 300-plus touches, which we're assuming, and I think it could be a safe assumption, I'm still in. So so you're not buying the narrative. You don't care about the narrative. No, I, I do buy the narrative because I think it's true, but I'm not letting it impact the value. 
Fair enough. No, I guess you're right. I am selling the narrative. <laughs> yeah. Listen, it's, it's been, not it's impacting been... you. You're like throwing the narrative out the window there. You're like, hey, Listen, I'm taking hairs no matter I'm, what. I'm, I'm stubborn. Hydra. I could believe in a narrative and just not care about it at the same time. Yeah. It's I, more on there. That's like, you can't <laughs> speak just out both ends, you know? All right. So we'll, we'll sell that one. There you go. Okay. I, I'm tired. Listen, it's been a long week. And it's only Tuesday. It has been a week and, and nothing crazy, nothing bad, just little things adding up. And then Owen in the chat, this is the last one. This is not on the sheet, but there are some CEH narratives floating about Twitter recently too. And for me, maybe I haven't seen it, but I think the narratives I have seen have been positive. Yeah, the improved positive. offensive line, what we saw from last year and ceh we should have a little uptick in production so i've seen a lot of people have ceh as a buy and i i can get on board with that I, I... here's the one narrative that should be out there andy reed doesn't like running the ball like he right. just doesn't if he could throw the ball 75 times a game he will throw the ball 70 times a game so like i love ceh but i'm still very worried that they're just gonna pass another 60 times a game be good I think the issue would be with acquiring CEH because a lot of people are buying that narrative. It's going to be difficult to acquire him where I, I, I don't think you could get CEH for Dobbins straight up today. Do you think that's reasonable? I bet you could get Dobbins. You think I bet you could? super close though. Yeah. No, 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 no. I think you'd have mixed results. Wait. Depends on the owner. Scrap. I don't think you get CEH for Dobbins. Like if, if I have Dobbins, Mm -hmm. I don't think I could get CEH. I think you can. Okay. I think it depends mm -hmm. on the owner. I think it'd be like a 50-50 split. I think you'd get mixed results if you had a poll on Twitter right now. Hmm. CEH doesn't catch the, the ball either, people, just so you know. Here's the thing with those polls, though. The people that are answering them probably don't have CEH on the roster or Dobbins. So that opinion is... It's useless. They probably don't play Dynasty. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of variables. But I think for CEH, what I want to see this year is him figure out the goal line situation because they wanted to feed him in the goal line last year, and they talked about him just not following the blocks or else he'd have easy touchdowns. He showed a little more glimpses late in the season, so I think that light bulb's going off. And then just, you know, hopefully they do check down a little bit and he just establishes a little bit more of a role. So I'm optimistic on CEH, but, yeah, I'm not – Totally, you know, I am concerned about that narrative. He'd fall in the mild concern range, but he could say final thoughts. <laughs> I thought you were done. No. You paused. I thought you and like were one done. last. I was like, I think he could secure the job this year for the next four years and feel good about him. But anyway. I tried to time that perfectly. And instead of saying, oh, it's time for fun. I, boom, I'm going into it. And Mitch, did he not pause there? He kind of paused. Uh, that was pretty quick on the button, man. <laughs> pretty quick on the button. <laughs> That's that's my way of saying I'm tired, guys. That's anyway, Dan, final thoughts, episode 117. Um, what, what do you think here? May 18th, what, what are we looking at? Man, what are we looking at? We got a long stretch ahead of us. You know, I, I like our, our running back breakdown tonight. Looking forward to wide receivers next week. You know, definitely a, a deep dive there with a very strong rookie class mixed in. Uh, we're doing a 16-team startup right now, even though Mitch is going to be camping. You know, he's uh, going to be living vicariously through our picks here with some good input. Um, you know, my my actual final thought, I think like Mitch's, was stolen during the show. I, I had to utilize it a bit earlier, but uh, just keep tuning into Dynasty Theory. We got a lot more great content coming up in the upcoming weeks. I seriously can't believe that I didn't realize Mitch wasn't in that league. I, I, just, I can believe it. 
I just assumed that you were in the league. Anyway, Mitch, final thoughts for the listeners. Look, mine was stolen too. That's the way that it is. So I'm going to go back to an oldie but goodie, right? Startup season, like rookie drafts are over. So everyone's going to get bored. They're going to hit the rookie drafts again. Just vet out your commissioner. Like if I could just repeat that on every episode, I honestly would. I saw so many leagues die in so many leagues that I'm in. I could still see dying at any point because the commissioner just is either completely absent or they're just a head case to work with. So now Mitch's commissioner is like, did he just call me a head case? Probably. <laughs> did, did he just call me a head case? So again, I want to thank Josh and Bill from the fantasy timeline. We reached out to them. I was like, guys, do you mind if we kind of steal your <laughs> premise of the show? Um, it was kind of different. We didn't really call out specific tweets, more just general overarching narratives. But again, if you have a chance, go check out the fantasy timeline. It's a fantastic show. It's a lot of fun. And I think, think it's every wednesday night if i'm correct mm -hmm. but yeah go check them out and if you do listen to dynasty theory we don't ask for much we ask for very little but maybe go over to itunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts and click five stars leave a review let us know what you like heck if you hate us because i we've had a few of those let us know. Let us know what you want to see us improve on or, or things that you want us to talk about. We, we love the feedback and, you know, we certainly appreciate everybody that, that takes the time out of their week each and every week. So just let us know how we're doing. Leave a review. Um, it would be greatly appreciated. We want to thank everybody for tuning in. Follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at dynasty theory FF. Stay safe, be kind to each other and have a great night.